0: Welcome to Basic Doctrine of the Bible. The teaching series within this podcast is a part of the Basic Discipleship Program. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Our hope is that this material will encourage you to have a great appreciation and respect for God's Word. Now, let's join today's lesson. Welcome to this uh, session of Basic Discipleship, and we're in a series entitled Basic Doctrine of the Bible. This is session three, and in this session, uh, we're talking about uh, the subject of inerrancy. Inerrancy. In order to have a strong appreciation and love for God's Word, Christians must be convinced of this doctrine we call the doctrine of inerrancy. Really in order to grow in your Christian life, uh, you have to be convinced of this idea. Because if you approach the Bible as if it is an insufficient book or a book with errors, then you're really on shaky ground. What are we talking about when we talk about inerrancy? Well, the word can be defined as this. The theological conviction that the Bible is accurate in every respect about all it affirms. Again, it's the theological conviction that the Bible is accurate in every respect about all it affirms. So really, in short here, when we talk about inerrancy, we're talking about this idea that the Bible is without error, that the Word of God is true that there are no mistakes in the bible it is a perfect and pure book and all that it says is right and it can be trusted the bible is inerrant it is without error now obviously there's a lot of debate about this subject debate coming from unbelievers and even believers as well So we want to approach the subject of inerrancy uh, by speaking under two subject headings. And first of all, we want to talk about what I would call the logic of inerrancy. The logic of inerrancy. In other words, there's a train of thought we can follow that when followed should help us to see that it is only logical that the Bible would be inerrant or without error. Five ideas form this logic. First of all, God inspired scripture. God inspired scripture. Now, if you haven't listened to session number two in this series, go ahead and press the pause button. Go find that episode and watch it because in session two, we talk about the doctrine of inspiration, this idea, 2 Timothy 3.16, 2 Peter 1.21, that scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul used the Greek word, compound word, God-breathed. It's as if the Bible, the words of Scripture, the words of these holy writings come from the very mouth of God. And Peter talked about in 2 Peter 1.21 how prophets were moved along by the Holy Ghost when they recorded Scripture. And when we read 2 Peter 3.15-16, through 16, we learn that in the early church the the holy the, the church, excuse me, had a high view of scripture wherein they regarded it as coming from God. And so when we look at what the Bible says about the Bible, we come away with this idea it is inspired by God. Now that's our basis, our ground zero in our logic of inerrancy. We take this next step towards inerrancy with this thought. Not only is, did God inspire scripture, but number two, God is perfect. God is perfect. Jesus affirmed this reality in Matthew five forty eight. He told us that there, that our heavenly father is perfect. He has an impeccable, flawless character. All his ways are righteous and just. God does not lie. Indeed, the author of Hebrews tells us he cannot lie. He is perfect. Uh, Psalm 18 says it like this. Speaking of the nature of God, it says, God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. So listen to what the psalmist does. He links the words of the Lord to the character of the Lord. In other words, he tells us, because the, word of the Lord, because the Lord is perfect, therefore his words must be pure. Uh, know this, anyone who doubts the inerrancy of scripture ultimately has a problem with the character of God. This is what's at stake in the doctrine of inerrancy. If God speaks, and we believe he does, then what he speaks must be true because his character is true. To say the Bible is untrue is to level a charge against God that he might not be true. So what is the logic of inerrancy? Number one, God inspired scripture. Number two, God is perfect. Number three, I got ahead of myself a little bit, but here's number three. God does not lie. God does not lie. The author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews six eighteen that it is impossible impossible for God to lie. He cannot go against his character and speak an untruth. The prophet Malachi spoke about this same idea in Malachi chapter 3 uh, verse number 6. He says, the Lord there says that I, the Lord, have not changed. You descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed. So the Lord there through the prophet was declaring that he cannot go back on his word. The Lord is a God. He is the only true God. And being such, he cannot go against his character. He cannot lie. So understand these theological truths. God inspired scripture. God is perfect. God does not lie. Then fourth, here's the next step in our logic of inerrancy. God in his word promised to preserve scripture. God in his word has promised to preserve scripture. In fact, even Jesus promised that scripture would be preserved. We'll talk about this doctrine more in this series, but consider Matthew 24:35 where Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Isaiah chapter 40, verse eight is another passage that has meaning in this regard. Uh, There, the prophet records the word of the Lord and says, the grass withers, the flower fade, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. So notice that the prophets and Jesus alike both promise that Scripture will be preserved, kept, safeguarded forever, for all of eternity. The Word of God will remain unchangeable. So do you see the logic of inerrancy? God has inspired Scripture. God is perfect. God does not lie. He has promised us that He would preserve His Word Therefore, that brings us to point number five, our conclusion when it comes to the logic of inerrancy. And our conclusion is this, number five, fifth step in the logic of inerrancy, the Bible is without error. If God inspired it, and God is perfect, and God does not lie, and God presum- promised to keep His Word to preserve it, then we draw the conclusion that his word is without error. Psalm twelve six gives us a great promise here. The Psalm saying concerning, the psalmist, excuse me, saying concerning the word of the Lord, and he said, The word of the Lord, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in an earthen vessel purified seven times. No this great doctrine believer, you can trust the Bible you can establish your life upon Scripture. Though so many things in the world may change, the Word of our Lord never changes. Though friends may fail you, though the seasons of life may be unreliable, know that the Word of God, the Lord is reliable. It is a rock. Every time you open the pages of this book, you read truth from Creator God. When you don't know what to do in life, you have an infallible witness in the pages of the Bible. You don't need to doubt. You don't need to run to humankind to try to get wisdom and advice. You don't need to play the role of a skeptic and wonder, is this part of the Bible legit or is it not? You can settle your soul on the fact that scripture is inerrant and without error. And in life, you can have wisdom, you can have strength, you can have joy, peace, direction in life because you have a flawless book from God called the Bible. This is the logic of inerrancy. I like what J.C. Ryle said, the former Bishop of Liverpool, who ministered during the 19th century, a time in which his Mother Church, the Church of England, was undergoing great change, and he witnessed firsthand people making attacks on God's Word. He was really the last stalwart to hang in, last stalwart who stood for the Word of God to hang in with that denomination as it compromised God's Word. And so, such a man of character and such strength, and such a high regard of the Word of God, and He said this when it comes to the doctrine of inerrancy. He said, if the Bible told me that Jonah swallowed the well, I would believe it. We know that the well swallowed Jonah, but Ryle flipped it backwards, speaking kind of tongue-in-cheek to make a point and to express his trust in the Word of God. He believed that every word, every story was true. And let's have the spirit of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. Let's let God be true and every man a liar and let's have a high view of Scripture and believe that it's without error and trust it as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The logic of inerrancy. God inspired Scripture. God is perfect. God does not lie. He promised to preserve Scripture. Therefore, the bible is without error. Let's talk secondly about this. Let's talk about how let's let, let's talk about some lessons from inerrancy. And I'll give these to you quickly. By way of application, number 1, the bible is truth. I've already stated this in so many ways, but the word truth speaks of what is real. One has defined the Greek word translated truth Aletheia in the New Testament one has defined that word as the real state of affairs know this because the Bible is without error when you read it and when you study it you discover the real state of affairs you discover who God really is you discover who you really are you discover what life is all about you discover what's gone wrong with the world and how it can be made right the Bible is truth and Jesus believed this He even taught this. He said, when praying for us, Lord, sanctify the church by your truth. Your word is truth. So be careful when you start to doubt the Bible. Jesus taught and believed that the Bible is truth. John 17, 17. The Bible is truth. Number two, we could say the Bible is trustworthy. The Bible is trustworthy. Now, I have uh, many books, and I love to read books. I'm usually reading a few books at a time, perusing, reading slowly. But I know this. When I get up in the morning and I open my Bible, I'm opening a book upon which I can base my soul. This book is an anchor for my soul. It never speaks error. It won't mislead me. I've got to be honest. Some mornings... It, it, it's time for my morning devotional time and I might be tempted to read the newspaper. There's some mornings like, I'm really enjoying that other good book I'm reading. It I kind of want to open it this morning and see what happens next. But then there's almost this restlessness in my soul. Like, Patrick, you can't do that. You need to place the Bible first. Why? Because it's the only book without error. It is the only sure and trustworthy source for salvation and wisdom for all of life. The psalmist said this, Psalm 119, 160. The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. Now, there's not many things that endure forever. Some have said the only things that will last forever are souls and the word of God. Uh, Know this. As Isaiah said, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. You can always trust it. You have a more sure word of prophecy in the Bible. Trust it. You can rely on it. You can lean on it. Number three, I'd say this. Lessons from inerrancy. The Bible is truth. The Bible is trustworthy. Lastly, I would say the Bible... Is transformational. The Bible is transformational. Uh, Know this, when you study Scripture, when you understand it, uh, when you apply it to your life, when you obey it, it has power from God to change your soul, to change your mind, to make you into a new creature. Through the Bible, you behold Christ. And we know this from the words of Paul. In beholding Christ, we are gloriously transformed. The Bible is the power of God unto salvation. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. James says the Word of God is like a mirror. And we look upon it and we see ourselves as we really are before God. And then we have the ability to change. The Bible teaches us, the Apostle Paul, excuse me, the Apostle Peter teaches us that it is this book that helps us to change. Do you have any old habits that die hard? Do you have any strongholds in your life? Do you have any addictions or sins you can't seem to overcome? Do you have a bad attitude to insecurity and inferiority, inferiority complex? I'm about to get inferior. Up. I'm about to get an inferiority complex. By the way, I can't say inferiority. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. Do you have any struggles in life you can't seem to overcome? Know this, the Bible has the ability when studied, understood, and obeyed to transform you in all of those areas. He's still working on me to make me into all that he wants me to be. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived, but I can give testimony over the years through a commitment to read through the Bible each year and to try to study it and obey it. The Lord has won some major victories in my life. Patrick Latham is a different person than he was even a year ago. But even more so, I'm a different person than I was 20 years ago. Why? It's all of grace. God's used his truth. The Bible has helped. Listen to what Peter said, 1 Peter 2, 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Have you ever struggled with any of those things? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. I have. Notice Peter says, remove those things, rid yourselves of those things. How do you do it, Peter. I don't know about you, listener, but I, I I've, friend, I've, I've discovered that sometimes I feel like I can't change. Easier said than done, Peter. You, th- you just think I'm just going to quit hypocrisy and envy? I like envy. How do I change? He tells us, he goes on in verse 2, if you just stop there, you would miss out on how sanctification really happens in the Christian life. Peter continues, verse 2, he says, Like newborn infants... Desire the pure milk of the word so that you may grow up in your salvation. Notice what he shows us. The word of God is a means, a method, a mechanism for spiritual transformation. So friend, rest your soul upon it. Know that it's a rock. Know that the word of God is perfect. Make it a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path, store it up in your heart so that you might not sin against God. Thank you for joining us today for our lesson on basic doctrine of the Bible. Stay current with other episodes by subscribing to our podcast or visit us online at basicdiscipleship.net. If you have any questions about the materials presented in this lesson or if you would like to give feedback, email us at info@basicdiscipleship.net. Thanks for listening.